Hello and welcome. I'm Al Barrows, and this is UFO Disclosure, the podcast that's meant to show an average person's reaction to UFO slash UAP news from the internet, books, experiencers, and even our government. Today, I will be speaking with former pro wrestler and political candidate John Stewart. Back in the 1990s, there were a number of alien interrogation and one autopsy video that appeared mysteriously on the internet. By 1997, John Stewart became curious about one specific alien interview. This video was the Victor Alien Interview video, and you can see that on YouTube, folks. It'll be under Area 51, colon, The Alien Interview, 1997. So back in 2018, John launched a five-year intensive study of the Victor Alien Interview, resulting in a dossier or document of his findings, which he personally hand-delivered to Congressman Tim Burchett, who is currently heading the UFO slash UAP hearing to examine evidence and testimony from recent whistleblower David Grush. Hi, John. Thank you for being on UFO Disclosure, especially on such short notice and especially right before Father's Day. By the way, happy pre-Father's Day to you. And happy Father's Day to you all. That was very kind of you to say that. And I am honored to be on your program. And I am honored to speak honestly, openly, and candidly uh, without anything off limits to you and your viewers and give them an appraisal of what I went through, what my investigation was about, and uh, the current events as we see it uh, with a UFO alien disclosure. And thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. That's a true privilege for me and my listeners. So what started it all? I mean, what led you to suspect that the Victor alien interview is real? Yeah, and this came on the heels of the alien autopsy, which to me, I'm, I'm, the, the jury's still out. I've, I talked about this, about the last seven seconds of the alien autopsy, which were in front of an Army Air Force, an Army uh, ha uh, airplane hangar with jeeps and military personnel and five alien bodies on stretchers. And I just thought, wait a minute, two guys that didn't have any money couldn't have afforded those last seven seconds. So that piqued my curiosity a little bit. And, and Albert, without sounding braggadocious, I want to say, I want to describe my lifestyle quickly, because that I think is the reason why I, I it grabbed me so much and, and why I fell off my couch, so to speak, when nah. I watched this thing. And I am thinking alien interview. I'm thinking they're going to show me a weird-looking human with handing a clipboard over to an Army general in the Pentagon right. <laughs> for, like, a job <laughs> interview. I had no idea. <laughs> so here I am. I'm on my couch, and, and you know, and, and happy-go-lucky John Stewart, and this alien comes on, and immediately I say to myself, wait, you know, because I – have friends in Hollywood. I've helped out on music videos. I've written screenplays. I know what it takes to do a production. Right. Music video, movie, three-minute commercial, you name it. I have been to some degree, and I want to get this across, I have been to some degree um, involved in all of those forms of, of 
television. Okay. So immediately I say to myself, wait a minute, are these producers dinglings? They've got an, a, a, an alien that's brown, not gray. It has round eyes instead of the almond, you know, the typical gray alien. Right. Then I see that the medical staff come in to, to tend to the, the being that is in distress, and they have short sleeve medical scrubs on, where if I was producing this, I would have had them in pressurized biohazard suits. Right. And so instead of saying, well, this is just a bad production, this is a hoax, I said, this is so bad, or I, I, should, I shouldn't say that. I said to myself, this is so nonchalant and informal that it's making me feel that something something real is is i am watching potentially something real then i'm looking at this crazy monitor next to the to the alien's left where the blip is not going across the screen it's staying in position and blipping up and down and i'm like i've never seen that before in all the times i've been in hospitals or all of the medical sitcoms and shows i've ever watched or documentaries i've never seen a monitor like that yeah what is that and then albert the when victor started to speak now al i was i was 97 i was 30 years old at the time i probably knew seven or eight screenwriters i took informal screenwriting classes i knew 20 30 people in hollywood okay i was part uh, uh, i knew the group um if you remember the boondock saints that was filmed and directed by Troy Duffy, yes. and he had a big posse. I was like one of the outside guys right on that posse, knowing everything that they did, and I hung out with them a lot of times, so a lot of script writing and a lot of industry people. I just want to get that across. Okay. Sorry to, keep, to, to go on about that. And when I heard Victor say, well, you're looking at the interview suite at S4, I said, there is no way that a 23-year-old screenwriter in 1997 could think of calling a room a suite. John, if I can stop you there, Um, just for our listeners, um, Victor, um, that John keeps mentioning, is the individual that smuggled the videotape um, out and brought it out to the public. Um, There shouldn't be any confusion as to... Victor being sorry about alien. that. I should, I should have mentioned that. That's so, all right. I just wanted to clarify, and I'm sorry right. to have interrupted you. Right. So I know psychology. I have friends that are cops. I've, I've been informally taught about how people subconsciously either lie or tell the truth. And so he talks about interview suite. Later on in the in his testimony, so to speak, he talks about the creature, the, and I hate using the word, the being's comfort. I like the, using the word being. The being's comfort. So I'm like, well, that's strange. You mean to tell me that a screenwriter who's 25, 26 years old knows about psychological f- forecasting, you know, subconsciously? Come on. Hmm. So he talks about sweet, and then he talks about comfort. I'm like, this is interesting. I, I, I kept watching. Then he says that it, now the creature began to flag, F-L-A-G, medically flag. And I remember stopping, I, 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 you know, I, I put my drink down, I was drinking a pop or something, and I said, who in the hell is going to think of flag? What? I've never heard of that term. I've never heard somebody say medically flagging. So 
uh, about five years ago, I run, I go on Google and I put in medical, the term medically flagging or flagging medically wise in one little obscure website said it was a medical term used in the fifties and sixties. And folks, I do a lot of wrap up as I'm speaking. So let me ask you a question right off the bat. Do you think it's really, do you think it's realistic that a 25 year old Hollywood screenwriter knew a medical term from the fifties and sixties? There's something that was so obscure and decided to put it into this, into the script of Victor's testimony. Do you think it's possible that a screenwriter would, would, could, would say to himself I'm, or herself, I'm going to put in the term interview suite. I'm going to use suite because, you know, that is much more, you know, much more technical than, a, than an interview room. I, I don't know. For me, in knowing the, knowing the occupation, I thought that that was one of the, the, the red flags of that video, along with having a brown or tan a gray alien and those medical staff that come in short sleeve scrubs. And on top of that, to have two men in silhouette that are getting into the camera view towards the end of the video. I mean, the producer, would have, the director would have yelled, cut, you know, hey, Al, John, you guys are, your silhouettes are getting into the camera uh, view. Can you step back a little bit more? Well, they didn't care about that. Why? Because they weren't shooting it for TV. They were shooting it for, you know, having a document, a video or a film document for future reference. And I remember. So, so it always did those five things. I went, wait a minute. And people, and Al, if I could just add, you know, I'm sure you want to ask a question. Let me just add one more thing for those out there that people say, well, why is, who is John Stewart to be an expert on this? I'm not, but I was a theatrical con man for 20 years as a pro wrestler. And I don't even say that jokingly. I lied about my bio. I lied if I was injured. I lied if I was truly mad at my opponent. I lied about, you know, that the championship was real or getting a $50,000 check, you know, for winning a match. I lied my entire career. That's what we do as pro wrestlers. We're theatrical con men. So, and I'm in the automobile business. I was in politics. Do you think I don't know bullshitting? Do you do you don't think I don't know what liars are? And, and if I would have saw a video that had medics in pressure pressurized suits, and if I saw a gray alien, and if I saw just a regular physiological heart monitor, Al, you and I wouldn't be talking. But the, the the fact is, I didn't see any of that. I saw either the worst produced video film ever, or a actual interview of an of a thought projection interview of an actual extraterrestrial alien. So that's where I stopped in '97. Well, speaking to your point that the video is not polished, um, no, adds to the that authenticity. Can I use that word in the future? Of course. <laughs> and um, I remember great Victor. Word. Victor uh, during the interview actually was asked why the medical staff came in with short sleeves um, which would have possibly contaminated them or the alien and uh, his reaction was uh, pretty authentic as well he said that the medical team back then was not of the highest intelligence they weren't right, as careful had, right. as you would think and he also said it was only bio level contaminant 
bio level safety level two. I looked up bio levels too. You wash your hands, you wear gloves and masks. That is the military definition of bio level two uh, sanity, san- uh, sanitizing, or you know, uh, uh, the requirements if you go into a bio level two uh, safety uh, area or laboratory. Correct. Gloves and masks. And some some people might look at the video also and say, well, it's dark. They're hiding something. But um, Victor also addressed that and said that uh, possibly it's because of the light sensitivity. Uh, Some of those gray aliens were very sensitive to light. Yeah, Albert, this is a great point. And I I really want people to listen to me. Number one is the medic. When the medic comes in with the flashlight, there's like three seconds where they shine on the entire torso of the alien. And you could stop, stop, you know, stop motion and see that the actual torso, you could see it. Yeah, for, that's when you really see them. Seconds. Yeah. I'm, and I'm sitting at my chair at my, on my desk, Albert, like two years ago, and I've got canister lights in my office. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this, I, I, why do I like sitting here? It's because I have light sensitivity because I have minor brain damage from wrestling and and playing football. And I don't like lights shine directly in my eye, but to be in a room where the light is above me and not directly in my light, my eye, I can, I, I, it's much more comfortable. Again, we know these creatures have very high light sensitivity. We know that the black of their eye is actually a a screen, a filter. So the light is actually on top of the creature. And even uh, cinematography-wise, as the cameraman, who was a United States Air Force cameraman, you would want your subject to be the direct um, focus of the video. Does that make sense? Or the film? I keep saying video. There's still debate whether it was 16-millimeter film or whether it was shot on VHS. Who cares at this point? Uh, I mean, that's, and I don't mean to be glib, but you would want your subject matter to be in the light and really nothing else. And, and another thing somebody else brought up, another military person brought up, you wouldn't want the background to be bathed in light to show somebody from the Soviet Union and what equipment we might have to interact with these beings and so on and so forth. So I'm not saying that that is the reason. I'm just saying that the light is not in the face. It is on top of the being which does not really pose any kind of light sensitivity to the eyes. And I can say this from firsthand experience. That's a great point you brought up. Another question that uh, my listeners might have when they actually view this video is the glossiness uh, in front of the alien. And that's because it was a piece of glass or plexiglass um, for um, protection of the uh, remote viewer or the individual that was telepathically communicating with the alien uh, yes, Victor tells us that, that there are two people in, in a viewing partition in a ringed seating area. And my the report that I received that was taken from the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, which actually runs the alien program, so to speak. And we you know, if you want to get into that later, we can. Yes, they were there was actually here were the people and I'm not jumping the gun, but there were more than two people in the camera. In that room, there was uh, about seven people and an Air Force, United States Air Force policeman outside the door leading into that interview room. Excuse me. And so, yes, but the the, the glassiness you'll see 
is a it was a glass partition. Yes. There's also uh, some skepticism as to whether the um, alien is a puppet because of his head movements, and there was a um, an expert on the video that a videotape that I watched uh, explaining that. Um, the Gray's necks are not aligned the way that ours are, um, straight down their backs. It's sort sort of towards the middle. And um, Whitley Strieber, um, who was an abductee, famous author, also uh, was chilled by the movements because it r- reminded him of his abduction. And this is an actual abductee. Right, the spinal cord, so to speak, is in the middle of their head, whereas human beings... The spinal cord is more back on the base of our skull, so that would give a, the beings a different a different appearance of head movement. Number two, they are used to a lighter atmosphere. You'll you can look this up yourself, folks, on the internet. Many people that have experienced these beings, even people in the military, say that when the being is not in a um, when you are not communicating with the being, being when they're alone in their in their room or or, or or whatnot, they often crouch over, hunch over, because they are not used to our much more heavier atmosphere and the gravity that we have. <clears throat> so that's why you'll you'll see the head movement. There is a third theory also that the the video is is just a um, just a pinch runs slower than it should be and we're not really sure that meaning it should be a little faster the video speed not sure why i I, again al i am not a technical person even though i spent a lot of money to get this technically analyzed and i'll go over that soon but yes uh that that uh, by speeding up the, the 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 film a little bit shows even more fluid fluid moment um but there are and folks you have to believe me because i've studied this for five years as far as it being a puppet, there are some moments in that film, Al, where the where the the being makes like four to five different head movements, which animatronically is almost impossible, especially back in 1991. It it leans forward while turning its head to the to the to the right, and then lifting its chin. And then and, and then it does like a scout a, a slouching motion. I, I mean, how animatronically you could have done that back in '91? I, I I people, special effects people still scratch their head. And the biggest bombshell with is it a puppet or not? There are videos out there. I put a couple out in YouTube Shorts. When you see the video, try and take the screen and magnify it or move it forward till you just see the creature's face in your screen. And you see that mouth open and close instantaneously. There are no servos. There are no mechanical pieces around the mouth. We were always told it's just a slit. And that slit of that mouth opens and closes instantaneously. And that was really, truly the moment that I said, this is, there, there's no way animatronically, even in 96, with this low budget video production company and not seeing any of the, of the parts could that mouth, that little slit with no bulges, open and close instantaneously? And when you close up on the creature's face towards the end of that video, it is shocking. It is it is absolutely shocking. I agree. And um, to corroborate um, the video, 
I had spoken with you earlier about a, a book called Beyond Roswell by Michael Hessman, who wrote a book um, back in 1989 of um, aircraft that was retrieved in South Africa in the Kalahari. And one of the um, surviving aliens went to Wright-Patterson Air Force in Ohio. The other was sent to Area 51. And there's a theory that this is the alien that appears in the Victor Alien interview. So that's corroborating evidence um, to the video being authentic and where this alien came from. Now, yeah, I, I you know, again, I, I, my credibility is very important with the community, with the government, with Hollywood, with kind people like you that have me on your show. So I have not found any um, evidence other than that, uh, that gentleman you spoke of, 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 is this, is this the Kalahari alien? Now, Victor tells us that it came in 1989. Coincidentally, the Kalahari accident or the Kalahari crash or the craft shot down happened also in 1980, 1989. Correct. And that is one of the stumbling blocks of my investigation. I have not been able to push through to find out where, where the provenance, so to speak, of that alien that we see on the video actually came from. Um, I, I read one report where the Kalahari beans were bluish, but at this point, you know, I, I can't verify that report, so it is up in the air. I do find it the, the timing uh, very, very coincidental as far as 89 crash, it arrives in 89, so very interesting indeed. So I have to applaud your efforts. You spent uh, countless hours, uh, five years of your personal time, your own personal uh, money uh, went into this. Um, how were you able to acquire the um, experts or the expertise to analyze the video, John? Great, great question. And thank you for that question. And thank you for that compliment. It's been, you know, I, I, I tell people I'm one of the rare UFO researchers that will talk about his feelings talk about his marriage, <laughs> talk <laughs> about how this affects their life. You know, everybody is very guarded and, right. and I, and, and folks, I, I spent 20 years of my life on TV in a wrestling ring with basically a bathing suit on. There are no secrets, you know, <laughs> and, and I, and people appreciate me talking about my personal life. And you know what, this is not about only the video. This is about my journey also. And I bless and I say thank you to my wife constantly who has put up with for five years, you know, this crazy ride I've been on, listening to documentaries to all hours of the night while we're trying to sleep in bed. And 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 so, Al, that was the hardest thing. Mm. I In 99, real quickly, I'm going to do some broad, broad strokes here. I was running for Congress in 1999. I dropped out to endorse a guy that became congressman and senator, Mark Kirk. He brings in... Senator John McCain, we do a bus tour around the district. After a campaign stop and after a speech, Senator McCain gets off the stage and I take a picture with him. I have the picture and I say, Senator, do you know what DNI is? And that is one of the words, the letters that are on the bottom of this film, DNI, David uh, November Igloo. 
And I said, you know, and Victor says it's the Department of Naval Intelligence. And I said, do you know what the Department of Naval Intelligence is? And Al, this happy-go-lucky senator, got this aggressive look, and he turned and looked at me with these black eyes, and he said, you don't need to know anything about that. And he stormed off and went on his bus. That's weird. And I went, wait a minute. (laughs) Again, you know, I do the wrap-up. Why is a United States senator pissed off about a fake alien film? Yeah. And you know what, Al? You and I could sit here for seven hours and let your audience and skeptics and just tell me why a United States senator was pissed off about three letters on a fake alien film. If you can answer that, you can take over this investigation. So that's when I had my aha moment. Let's fast forward. It's the start of COVID. It's January 2nd. A Hollywood producer that I've had a relationship with professionally calls me and said, John, we're all stuck inside our homes. Do you have any ideas for a documentary, a docu-series? And I shoot off a couple of ideas, and one of them was, let's research this creepy video. And he said, nah, you know, it, it, it doesn't looks looks fake to me. I'm going to pass. And uh, two days later, on January 3rd, Al, I sat in my car. And I said, look, let me just figure out one thing. Let me, and folks, please understand, I went at this video to disprove it. If anything, not to prove that it was real and to just simply find the truth. That's all I wanted to do for my own curiosity, find the truth. Very important because many UFO people, Bigfoot people, they go at things where they want to prove their theory and they'll do anything to prove their theory. I had no theory I want everyone to understand. I simply wanted to know the truth. Right. So I sit in my car in my driveway, Al. I get home uh, from work about four hours early, and I start researching this bizarre monitor. I find three PhD candidates that did the history of physiological monitors. I find them. I email them. This is all within four hours or two, three hours. I email them. I send them the video of the, of the monitor. The experts of physiological monitors from... 1800s till now said, we've never seen that. We've not, we don't know what that is. We've never seen that built. We've never come across that in our thesis paper. Uh, Mr. Stewart, we have no idea what that is. I was like, okay. Again, part of my investigation, I keep digging. You know, I, And I'm not saying that to impress people. I'm trying to impress upon you. I, I went, I kept digging no matter what someone told me. I wanted more sources. So I found out that Hewlett Packard and Space Labs were the only two companies in the 90s that made physiological monitors. So I literally called the physiological monitoring engineering departments of both companies. True story. Space Labs emailed me back. Same thing. Have no idea what you're looking at. I have no idea what's on that film. And I've never, we, I have never seen or heard about anything that was made like that where the blip just stayed stationary. I finally get an old engineer on, from Hewlett Packard on the phone. He looks at the video. He calls me back. He said, kid, I don't know what you got on that film, but I have never seen anything like that in my life. And I've been doing this for 40 years. I said, sir, even in like trade shows or concept, you know, you, I'm an automobile dealer. You usually see weird cars at the auto show that never go into production. He said, kid, I have never seen the drawings, a concept. I've never seen a blip where any had a technical term for the blip. Forgive me for not remembering what it was. I've never seen one that stays stationary. They all go horizontally. And, and Al, 
True story verbatim. He said, what is this from? I said, I said, sir, this is from an underground facility from the United States government. And he said, okay. And I said, um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed and afraid to tell you what it was monitoring because you'll laugh at me. And he said, okay. He goes, well, let me, he goes, I think this is a one-off. You know, and I covered the receiver of the phone, like, oh shit, I, I, <laughs> I'm getting somewhere. Hmm. I'm like, like Mr. You know, I forgot his name. I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? What is a one-off? He said, well, when you have a problem in science or, you know, uh, you know, a technical problem and there's nothing available to help you decipher or figure out the problem, you would design, develop and build a one-off device for whatever marketing, geology, medical terms. And he goes, and I said, well, would you build a one-off device if you were monitoring a bizarre heart, heart, lung uh, um, anatomy of, of an alien. And instead of laughing, Al, he goes, I absolutely would because a human physiological monitor probably wouldn't work. And I was waiting for the guy to hang up. I'm waiting for him to laugh at me again, just to let you know, this has been a predominant situation in this investigation. We are experts, government people. No one laughs at me. No one hangs up the phone. No one tells me to get lost, and no one tells me I'm crazy. Interesting. So he said, yeah, I would think you would have to create a one-of physiological monitor to, to, to monitor some beings, you know, internal internal organs that aren't like a human beings. I'm like, hey, thank you so much for speaking with me. That wasn't enough. I called two salesmen who sold physiological monitors, because sometimes salesmen are, are experts. They know more than the engineers. And both of them said, I've never seen this at a trade show. I, I, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. So I, again, let's wrap up this one, folks. I've got a pissed off senator about three letters on a fake video. I've got a non-polished alien interview that gets led on TV. And now this second tier production company that was really had no money for any budget or production has now created the most high-tech physiological monitor known to man. And I want to ask your your listeners, does that even sound that that's even possible? <laughs> I mean, you know, and so right there is when, Al, in, 19, in uh, January 3rd, 2019, after those emails and phone calls, I put the pedal to the metal. But I still didn't know anyone in the, UFO community. I knew Carrie Cassidy from Project Camelot. I was on her show once just to talk about all things alternative media and whatnot. So I went on a program called JeffRents.com. He's a very famous internet show and, 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 and website. And to, to Al, I wanted to metastasize what I call this investigation. Could I talk about it? Could I spurn or could I, you know, jar someone, some expert loose for them to call me or email me to give me some insight, to give me some breadcrumbs. And sure enough, and I will broad stroke this, about 10 days after my appearance on Jeff Rents, I start getting an email from someone that I term as the chairman. And he emailed me once a month, a very slow process. The first email was, like, you know, I, I, I listened to your interview on Jeff Rents. You got a lot of things right. You got a couple of things wrong. 
You seem like you're sincere. And every month, Al, and I'm saying this specifically, every month, once a month, he would email me. About the sixth month, I said to myself, my dad is, was on the board of directors of a credit union in Illinois. And under Illinois law and many state law, they have to meet once a day, a once one time every month on the same day. In Illinois, it's Tuesday. I go back. This guy emailed me on the same day every month, and I, and I finally retraced the email he sent me to. And without giving away too much, he is the chairman of a, I'm going to use this term, an institution. And because I tra- tracked the email, he would go to his daughter's office who worked at this place, let's just say. And that is where he would start sending me these emails from his daughter's office who was employed by this company institution. I'm very proud of that Columbo detective work, by, yeah. by the way. So that's why I call him the chairman. And Al, on the ninth month, on uh, I, I can't say the ninth month, but because I'm not totally specific, but on my birthday, which I find coincidental. Yes, I'm a public figure. You could find out what my birthday is, but you'd have to really search what my birthday, I think, would be. On my birthday, I get an email from the horse's mouth, and I want to be very specific. It appeared to me, and still does appear to me, that this man, older man, because I, I know who he is and I won't give him up. He's my, you know, all the, pro, you know, Nixon Watergate. He is my deep throat. But this man appear to have a contact with the defense intelligence agency. And he asked that contact to give me any information or give him any information about this alien video. And I get the entire report sent to me. Um, And my hand was shaking because I get a different date than when Victor said, I get how long that interview segment lasts. I get, who helped sell it to Rocket Pictures? I get the names of the five military men that were in the room. I get that there was two telepaths in the room instead of one. I get that there was a U.S. Air Force uh, uh, policeman and a U.S. Air Force cameraman. And my hand is shaking. I get the name of the two doctors that are touching that beam. So being a good investigator, I just don't get the list and say, oh, well, I'm done. This is over. Like many people have criticized me on the, not many, but few people on the internet have criticized. I'm an investigator. So I start going down the list and investigating all of the names. I come to the, the, the doctor, to the beans, right to our left. He died in California. I get his wit, his widow, his second wife, who, who, who was married to him when he passed away. I'm going to, I'm going to make a fake name. Her name, uh, her name was Kim, which is not her name. She's about 80 years old. And I explained who I am. I said, this is going to sound bizarre, but was there any way that your husband was involved with extraterrestrials or aliens? And I feel so weird asking you this. Oh, Al, there's a pause on the other (laughs) end of the phone. Again, no one's laughing at me. This is the, the weird thing of my investigation. She's like, well, she's like, John, that's very interesting. I said, interesting, he was with aliens? Or she's like, no. She's like, there was something that always bothered me about my husband. Folks, this is my right hand of God. 
she said every time we went out with our friends, our friend group, and there were guys from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, everybody would have a funny story about their drill instructor or, you know, the, the first where their basic training was or a, a non-combat humorous or interesting story about their time in the military. And she said, John, my husband, medical doctor, my husband never, ever, ever spoke about any time of his in the U.S. Army Medical Corps. Now, wait a minute. I never told her U.S. Army Medical Corps. That was on the list. of It said his name, Dr. So-and-so, U.S. Army Medical Corps. I didn't even know what U.S. Army Medical Corps is. This woman brings up exactly what he was in. I said, I said, Kim, what is the U.S. Army Medical Corps? She's like, well, that's the Corps for Medical Doctors. And she goes, it always bothered myself and our friends why my husband never spoke about his time in the U.S. Army Medical Corps. And she said, you know what, your phone call today, kind of now, it all makes sense to me. <laughs> she gave me what her daughter who lived by me in Illinois she wanted me to send her the three-minute film of the of the interview, and and um, you know, so I said to myself, I, I I just I just can't believe this is happening. Can the I, next doctor, the, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, can I ask you this? Are yes. there any names that you can reveal from the video? I I am I have two problems, and again, I'm honest and open. I have a production agreement for a documentary. And part of that agreement is not naming names. Okay. I will name one person that's dead on the list, and I shouldn't do it, but I will with you. But under that agreement, um, I, I can't name names. And can I, Al, I'm talking to you as a friend. Okay. Do you know the reason why they're not allowing me to name names? Because we don't know the legality of naming names. I don't want UFO people going over to, well, there's only three alive out of the five. I don't want UFO researchers calling and going over to these people's homes or uh, the doctor on the, on the left of the beam to our right, L. He is still practicing medicine in Connecticut. Can I tell you one thing about him? Go ahead. Now remember, the creature had a breathing coughing attack at the end of the video. Right. I see the name of this doctor. Even the DIA didn't know what he was doing there. It said scientists with a question mark. So even the Defense Intelligence Agency or the person that did the report was kind of unsure why he was there. So remember, the creature has a breathing, coughing attack. I looked this guy up on Google, Wikipedia. Do you know what this guy did in 1991? He was a pulmonologist. So again, so what you're telling me is a guy in his 70s emailed me a list of names where one of the doctors, his wife, his wife tells me that there was something very suspicious, and the other doctor was a pulmonologist back with the VA in 91. Wow. Is, is that even, I mean, can it, do you think a 75-year-old person is going to go to that length just to send me a, a, a list of names? Let me go a little further, Al. The next name, I look him up. He was retired at the time of the video. I said, well, this is a hoax. I just busted it. I just I just proved it's fake. Then I look that he was a contractor after his military service with TRW. Folks, TRW is like Lockheed, Betchall, EG&G. They are arm-in-arm. 
with the government, and he did contouring and mapping for the government. So, uh, you know, he was still with the government as a private contractor. Then we get to another man who, an admiral, I'm going to say his name because he's dead. Um, I get to Vice Admiral William Schaefer, and I'm going to say something about him, but I'm going to talk about something at the end of the video that's going to make people fall off their fall off their chair, and I use that a lot, sorry. His name is Vice Admiral William Schaefer. He was the, at the time of the video, the intelligence liaison to, to, to Colin Powell, okay? If you, you don't think there was important people in this room. Oh. He was the intelligence agent. He was the intelligence liaison to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Okay. And, um, and, he, and he died in 2014. His nickname was Ted. And remember this. He, he worked with Colin Powell. They were both together in the Oval Office briefing George, George H. Bush. Right. Please remember this, folks. So the next person was a, it said, uh, Captain Naval Intelligence. I Google him, Al, and I find out that he retired as a vice admiral. So here I say to myself, again, being skeptic, healthy skeptic, I said, well, this is fake. He's a vice admiral, and here he's a captain in the Navy. In my one research, she said, he's like, dummy, this is from 1991. What, did he, what was his rank in 91? He retired. <laughs> He retired in 2017 as a vice admiral, but in 90, 1991, don't you think he had a lower rank? And I was like, oh my God, that's true. So I emailed him. He emails me back. I'm very vague. I said, I'm doing a documentary about the military. Al, we had, we had about three emails together. I had such a nice relationship with him on the email that I was going to ask him to go play golf in Virginia where he lives and Go get that fried chicken at gas stations everybody talks about in Virginia. He finally sends me an email. He said, John, what what do you really want to talk to me about? What is this documentary about? And I said, look, I, I, liked, I love the military. I was one of the people that helped keep the Chicago VA open. True story. I was one of the progenitors that stopped its closure. My dad was in the military. My uncles were in the military. Please take this as a grain of salt when you see the report. So I send him the report that I got from the chairman, and he ghosted me. He did not talk to me any, 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 any more than that. Hmm. And in my opinion, in 2023, when you electronically ignore somebody after all of the nice emails, there is something to that. And I've had many military people say, say to me, most military people are upstanding, good human beings. They would rather ignore you than lie to you. So, John, that's why you didn't get a, this is crazy, you're nuts, I was never in that facility, I never had anything to do with aliens. He just chose to ignore me, which I thought spoke volumes. And um, so, so let me go a little bit further than that. Because the one thing, again, I, folks, remember about me, I am a healthy skeptic about this. I said there is no way Victor smuggled anything out of S4 it's too high tech. They weigh you in the nude. They weigh going in. They weigh you in the nude going out. You're not putting any microfilm, thumb drive, CD-ROM. That never jived with me. And L, it never jived with me to the fact that I thought that that might be the proof that it was a hoax. John, let me just then, explain for our what? listeners that uh, John is referring to Area 51. Uh, there are certain facilities there, and I believe you're referring to area or. S2 Alpha, is that correct? 
that it produced a small cabal of disgruntled employees who conspired to get some sort of information or data out to show to the public what is going on with this program. And Derek Hennessy, who did an interview in 1990, and Wendell Stevens kept it for eight years, okay? He came out before Lazar. He came out before Victor. He said that it was crazy down there. And, and there was a lot of pissed off pissed off employees. And Derek Hennessy specifically says one of the people of the cabal was a biologist, which we now know was Victor. So, you know, I've got a lot of a lot of people coming in with information. So that was really how I got the information of who, what, where, when, and where. And 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 I'm just gonna speak for another 10 seconds so you can ask questions. Then after I had this list and after I did my investigation, there was only one person alive with the documentation that was anywhere near Pat Bruce Lake, S2, S4, and that was counterintelligence agent Richard Doty. And I know that he that people, oh, he was in counterintelligence and he, he lied for a living. I lied for a living. Hmm. Doty's in his 70s. I'm in my 50s. What? I can't tell the truth anymore because I lied as a pro wrestler? And it's interesting. Doty, you know, people think Doty told me all this stuff. He didn't. Doty told me three things, Al, and then I'll, I'll shut my mouth. He told me the film did not happen at S4. It happened at a facility called S2 Alpha, which is, again, Kitty Corner from uh, from S4, North, Northwest uh, Kitty Corner from, from S4. He told me that the film is real. He knows this because he viewed the 56-minute a uh, 16 millimeter film that that film was part of, and that also he um, that the facility the film was wrong, and that he heard, uh, you know, of the of the investigation. You're not going to believe this of the director Jeff Broadstreet. Jeff Broadstreet, the director, when Victor came to him, did a deep dive trying to prove if Victor was a government employee. And Rick Doty heard about that back in the 90s from intelligence sources. So, folks, I want to ask you another question. If you hired an actor to be Victor, why would the director, who's in on the hoax, why would he spend weeks investigating who Victor really was? Does that make any sense? And Jeff Broadstreet never said that he vetted Victor. This was Rick Doty that said, oh, yeah, I heard from many sources. that," the, And this is Vic, uh, Rick Doty's direct testimony. That, Vic, that uh, director guy, and I said, Jeff Broadstreet, yes. Yeah, that director guy, Jeff Broadstreet, he went out, he went out, Rick used the term, he went to town trying to investigate who Victor was and proving he was a government employee or worked with the military. Again, why would the director, if he hired the actor to play Victor, do a three-week deep dive to investigate who Victor was? Exactly. So again, those are the three things that Doty told me. You know, and, and which I find all kind of gel in with, with everything else in the story. Well, I found Victor to be very believable, and he was almost reticent to come forth with the information, and he made very little money from it. And just to recap and clarify for our listeners, S2 and S4 are separate facilities in the Area 51 complex. S4 reportedly was where Bob Lazar witnessed uh, alien craft being back engineered. So John is just clarifying that this is a totally new location. It's called S2 Alpha. It's an alien housing center. 
And John, if I may, I'm going to change gears and ask you how and why you chose Congressman Tim Burchett to bring forth your very valuable valuable findings. Well, your, your listeners should be really pissed off at what I'm about to say about government and the people that are paid by us to serve us. I first, Al, on Martin Luther King Day, drove six-hour round trip to Congressman Mike Gallagher in Green Bay. Mike created the whistleblower amendment. Now, don't you think that that would be the guy to go to with <laughs> with information? Absolutely. His office took my packet and totally ignored me. That should piss people off. Oh, Not even a phone call. Now, I'm going to go to Andre Carson, a congressman. He's in Indianapolis. I pass by his office when I visit my daughter at the University of Indiana, where I visit my daughter and all my money. (laughs) So, and Andre Carson started doing a cursory investigation. So, as I was about to do that, I realized, uh, I called called my congressman, Brad Schneider, who was a, his office was awesome. And his chief of staff said to me, John, you should probably take this to the Senate Intelligence Committee. And one of the members is Tammy Duckworth, who's in Illinois. I said, that, that's great advice. That's what I'm going to do. As I was getting my packet ready, I booked my flight. Folks, I was in Washington, D.C. for seven hours. It was a whirlwind. About four days before I went there, Congressman Burchette announces that he's been given the ability by um, Speaker McCarthy to grab the reins and do the legwork for another extraterrestrial subcommittee hearing and investigation. I said, and he says, I believe in all this. So I said, wow, this is the guy. And to give, and and, and this should make people happy. Um, my interaction with Congressman Tim Burchett's office was just, a, just, it was so pleasant. They were so professional. If any of them ever listened to this, I want to commend them there. They were so nice to me. They were, they willingly, oh, Mr. Stewart, please come when you get to Washington. You know, parking's a little difficult around the Capitol, Capitol, and so on and so forth. Now, as I was doing this, Tim Rochette, they recessed Congress. He goes back to Tennessee. So I fly to Washington. I take a rent a car. I hustle over to Tim Rochette's office in the Longworth building. Very intimidating. I knock on the door. I walk in. There were two aides there, two staffers. They both knew of me, knew I was coming, um, took my packet. They were not shocked at all when I started talking about, like, look, there's explosive information in here, and this is the alien, you know, alien information investigation. And they're like, fine, we will give this to Congressman Burchette. Um, You know, they offered me refreshments. We went out into the hallway and took a nice picture. It was such a nice interaction after all of the red tape and being ignored by the media and by Congress. Um, And I really commend Congressman Tim Burchett and his office for treating me, you know, like I was a Navy admiral coming to visit. And folks, I, I, had, I sent out 187 emails and press releases in the last year to the media. Not one person ever published a story except for AmericanThinker.com. And I encourage you to go to AmericanThinker.com. Drew Blesky was just a wonderful editor. You look up UFO John Stewart on AmericanThinker.com. You'll see my article about my frustration with Congress. Um, just wanted to 
sort of wrap up and ask you, what do you expect your findings, uh, your pivotal evidence? Uh, do you think it'll be pivotal during Congressman Timbershed's hearing on the UAP phenomenon? I'm going to tell you, Al, but, but Linda, and here's another thing I want to say before we, we, we end our interview. I became an expert in Bernie Madoff and Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, the Theranos scam artist. Barry Ma- uh, 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 Bernie Madoff, you know, the Ponzi scheme guy. I became experts in those cases because I wanted to purposefully do the exact opposite of how those two individuals operated. So no one would say, oh, this is this is untrue. And I, one thing they did was hide everything. I hid nothing. I want to tell your, your listeners, I, from five years up until yesterday, have been emailing nonstop every UFO researcher and, and, and wise person and government person that I could think of that would be interested in this investigation, emailing them, asking their advice, asking their opinion, asking if they can give me any more breadcrumbs. So I want to be very clear on people that I am an open book, always have, always will be. And I think um, because of what Linda Moulton Howe, which is a journalist and, and literally the most respected ufologist in, in, in our community. When she saw the list of names and knowing that no one on that list was anyone that any of us in the UFO community has ever heard of. And when she said, you're telling me that three out of five of these men are still alive and you can Google them. And I said, yes, Linda Howe said to me, quote, John Stewart, you have gold here. She said, because the Majestic 12 documents, all of them were dead. You know, the Wilson memo, you know, she said, you have names of men that are still living and are still verifiable with Wikipedia or Google. And she said, and you spoke to a widow and you, and you emailed one of the vice admirals. And I said, yes, she's like, you got gold here without a doubt. So I think the fact that, that they're living I think the fact that I have video evidence that this should be, you know, one of the prominent pieces of evidence that uh, that Congress should look at. And I hope that I'm called to testify and explain exactly what the video shows and the provenance of it and let Congress do what they will with it. So you do expect and are willing to testify before Congress about this? I I expect that I am willing to testify. You know, Timber Shedd said, well, you know, we're not going to have a cattle call of individuals. Well, do you have an individual that has given you this explosive of information? You know, everyone is hearsay. And, and I, I, I understand the skeptics about David Grush. He's telling you a story, no matter how credible his background is, it's still hearsay. I am producing video and I'm producing video with names and dates now yes that could be that could be all fake too i understand that but when these men are alive and the widow is alive and you have rick Doty saying that the film is true i would have to think that i that would move me up the list of one of the people that congress would like to hear of and and i asked rick Doty if he would go with me just to back up the s2 story not anything else you know um and and uh and so I, I expect to be called and I'd be willing to testify. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure my listeners appreciate that. And I certainly do. 
um, want to wish you the best of Happy Father's Day. And uh, before we sign off, um, where can my listeners find out more about your work, your documentary, and about yourself? Right. So um, the website is under construction. You can still go to it. So And you can send me an email off of it. Just don't laugh because it was done by someone in, in – it, it, just you know, it's very it's in under construction, but it's huntingvictor.com, and you could um, and, and in about three days, my bio and some of the chronology will be up. Right now, as it sits, you can email me off of that, and if people want to also email me, and folks, I email back every single person that reaches out to me. I'm very good about that and diligent. It's John J O N without the H. My middle name Allen A L A N. My last name Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, um, like John Stewart on TV, uh, at AOL.com. And anybody wants to ask me questions, they want to follow up with this interview, um, I'm very diligent about about uh, emailing people back because it's a very kind of people to reach out to me. Folks, that uh, first uh, website that John mentioned is spelled H-U-N-T-I-N-G. V-I-C-T-O-R, huntingvictor.com. It's been such a pleasure having you, John. Uh, absolute uh, um, great time that I had talking to you. Folks, uh, if you want to check out the video online, uh, look for it on YouTube um, under Area 51, colon, The Alien Interview, 1997. Again, John, the best of happy uh, Father's Day, and good luck in the future if you do and when you testify before Congress. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Alan. I look to be. I look forward to being back on your program. I want to personally thank all of all of your listeners for giving me the time and listening to my story. And to you, Al, thank you for having me on. And I look forward to talking with all of you in, in the future and telling you if I uh, if I get to Congress and testify what what all happened with that. And thank you. Thank you, sir. And I hope you and your wife get uh, some rest this summer. And uh, all the best to you both. Thank you. Thanks. Talk to you later. This is Al Barrows signing off. Thank you for listening to my podcast, UFO Disclosure. Please remember to click on the follow button and keep searching for the truth. All the blessings and luck go out to all. <laughs>